You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN's Daily Energy Blog, which is a fun and informative daily commentary on oil, gas, NGL, and renewable markets. Each morning, we cover commodity fundamentals and industry changes to keep you informed of developing trends across the energy landscape. Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Land of Confusion. Counterintuitive Premises at Heart of Debate over RIN's Policy. Published by Jason Lindquist. The Renewable Identification Number, or RIN, market is so misunderstood that even its main participants don't agree on its financial impact, effectiveness, or even basic fairness. RINs are a feature of the Federal Renewable Fuel Standard, or RFS, which requires renewable fuels like ethanol and bio-based diesel to be blended into fuels sold in the U.S. and depending on your point of view, trader, farmer, viner, blender, consumer, politician, you may have a very different perspective about how the system works. In today's RBN blog, we discuss highlights from our new drill-down report that attempts to make sense of the complexities of the RINs market. Let's start with the basics. RINs were designed to ensure compliance with the federal RFS, which was created by the Energy Policy Act of 2005 and expanded and extended by the Energy Independence and Security Act of 2007. To explain how the system works, we'll refer to figure 1 in today's blog on the website and consider a simplified example of E10, a 90-10 to mix of unfinished gasoline, oil-based blend stock for oxygenated blending, or BOB, and ethanol. Refiners and or importers are subject to the RFS and incur renewable volume obligations, or RVO, that they need to fulfill for any BOB that they produce or import. When renewable fuel, ethanol, is produced for blending into BOB or RIN, a 38-digit number is assigned and attached to each gallon. The refined or imported crude-based BOB then goes to the blender, which may be a gasoline retailer, an independent terminal operator, or the refiner. Either way, In most cases the blending is done close to the market where the BOB ethanol blend will be sold through service stations. A RIN is created for each gallon of ethanol produced for the BOB market. When ethanol is physically blended with BOB or sold to a refiner for blending, the ethanol's RIN tag is separated from the ethanol, meaning that from that point on the RIN can be bought or sold until it is retired to fulfill an obligated party's RVO. The scheme contains several steps, is reliant on many stakeholders, and includes seemingly contradictory incentives. For example, under the RFS, every gallon of ethanol contains an incentive, the 38-digit RIN, to blend the ethanol into fuel. Think of that attached RIN as a nugget of gold, additional value for the ethanol that can only be created by blending that gallon into fuel. A nugget in any gallon of ethanol not blended into fuel remains trapped there, meaning that the RIN is not eligible to be sold or retired, that unlocked value is the RIN subsidy, the benefit to those who concoct E10 or another BOB ethanol blend. The blender buys the gallon of ethanol and combines it with purchased BOB, whereupon it captures the nugget as a separated RIN and sells it into the RIN market for cash and retirement. Obligated parties, refiners and importers of gasoline or diesel, obtain and ultimately retire RINs to meet RVO compliance requirements. That sounds like a windfall for the blender, but is it? On the other side, Refiners who must purchase RINs to retire their RVO often view them as an additional tax burden, but it's not so simple. Refiners, blenders, retailers and financial analysts have struggled to describe RIN's impact on profits even years after the system was implemented. The refiner sees a tangible tax in cash paid out for the RIN but potentially an intangible increase in the price they receive for BOB. The blender sees a tangible subsidy in cash received for the RIN but a possible intangible increase in the price they pay for BOB is the changing price of BOB, and what makes that price change, that clouds the understanding of RIN's impact. In fact, 
there is little actual disagreement on the tangible transactions between the parties, namely the payment of cash by refiners to buy RINs and the receipt of cash for the sale of RINs by blenders. Those are hard cash transactions, made deliberately, with obvious financial impact. All the controversy and disagreement involves the intangible parts of the system, namely, how RINs affect the market prices of two product streams, BOB and E10. These effects on prices are considered intangible because they emerge as a consequence of competitive forces in the market rather than by the deliberate action of any individual or single company, and thus they cannot be measured directly. A key point of the design of the RIN system is what's called a cross-subsidy, in which an artificially inflated price for one component is intended to subsidize another component. An example is when professional members of an industry society pay an inflated membership fee that cross-subsidizes a discount for student memberships. Similarly, the RIN system was designed to distort the effective costs of refinery fuel components like BOB, upward, and ethanol, downward, such that when they are blended together the inflated cost of BOB cross-subsidizes a discount on ethanol. Section 4 of the Drill Down Report walks you through the math on how all that works. The debate over RINs goes far beyond what's covered here, with issues like the role of higher ethanol blends such as E15 and E85, the ethanol blend wall, the nesting of RIN categories, and RIN pricing all generating a lot of conversation, see the Big Bang Theory, but the framework we've described here and in our new report is fundamental to understanding and analyzing those topics. Land of Confusion was written by Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks and Phil Collins. It appears as the third song on side one of Genesis' 13th studio album, Invisible Touch. Released as a single in November 1986, it went to number four on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles chart. The video for the song featured puppets from the UK show Spitting Image. The puppets also appear on the picture sleeve for the single, which parodies the Beatles's with the Beatles' album cover art. Personnel on the record were Phil Collins, vocals, drums, percussion, Mike Rutherford, guitars, bass, and Tony Banks, keyboards, synth bass. Invisible Touch was recorded between October 1985 and February 1986 at the farm in Surrey, England. Produced by Genesis with Hugh Padgham, the album was released in June 1986. It went to number 3 on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart and has been certified 6x Platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Five singles were released from the LP. Genesis are an English progressive rock band formed in Godalming, England, in 1967 by Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, and Tony Banks. Their lineup in the 70s also featured singer Peter Gabriel and guitarist Steve Hackett. After Gabriel left the band in 1975, Phil Collins took over lead vocal duties. Eleven people have passed through the group. They have released 15 studio albums, six live albums, four compilation albums, two EPs, and 43 singles. Genesis has sold more than 100 million records worldwide. They have won one American Music Award, one Grammy Award, and one Ivor Novello Award. At Genesis' last live show in March 2022, Phil Collins said on stage, it's the last show for Genesis. All three Genesis members are actively involved in recording for their respective solo careers. Thanks for listening to the RBN Daily Energy Blogcast. For more information on energy market reports, maps, and consulting engagements, please visit us at rbnenergy.com. And thanks for rocking with us.